Hey everyone, this is Ashley, producer of the Obstars podcast. Today we're bringing you a special episode featuring a live session recorded at Obstars 2023 in San Francisco. Enjoy. I'm Ari. I head revenue marketing at NVIDIA. Uh, my background's in managing demand gen and inside sales, most recently at Cumulus Networks, growth marketing, demand gen, digital marketing, and the like. Um, I'm here with my teammate, Kelly Goals who will be taking us through opera operationalizing AI and revenue plays. Quick foundation here. Uh, NVIDIA 30,000 foot view, massive organization, about 30 years strong, 26,000 plus employees, billions in revenue, and a lot of people and a lot of data. That in a nutshell is pretty much what our team deals with across developer, enterprise, and consumer. Um, as much as some sessions have said the spreadsheet is dead, I still love my spreadsheets for noodling on things, but I've honestly hit the point where I could tell you the cell and data limit in a Google Sheet or a Microsoft Excel file. Uh, by the numbers, uh, we have a near 1,000 size enterprise sales team. We have about half a thousand for enterprise marketing team. Uh, we, we have a huge go-to-market through about 1,300 plus partners. On average, we're engaging with about 3,000 accounts per month uh, across 100 plus campaigns in Salesforce. And then from that, especially for our inbound, we're supporting with our team in about 20 and 55 for our inside sales team's members. That's global. So it is hyper important that we're leveraging the right data to actually tell these individuals who to spear now versus hey, here's 3,000 leads that came in through this campaign manager's program. Go call them one by one. So real quick, foundationally, because I know we're, we have limited time here. Um, we mentioned AI and all the heads in the room nod. Oh yeah, AI, AI, that's the chat GPT. It's great. Um, it's really important to set the foundation where we're coming from a technology perspective of AI ML being a marketing buzzword as early as eight years ago to this new iPhone moment of AI, our CEO calls it, with ChatGPT and the like. Artificial intelligence as a wrapper is really looking at human intelligence simulation. Um, think overall functionality when it comes to self-driving cars. Within that, you've got machine learning, data-driven algorithms and models. We're talking about decision-making, taking that data and autonomously making decisions from that massive amount of data. The true crazy moment we're going through right now revolves around deep learning, which is a sweet spot for unstructured data and taking in things that I simply can't do in an Excel file, no matter how I slice and dice it. So in operationalizing that, our team's hyper-focused now with data science roles within traditional teams that didn't have that. It needs to be more on the operations focus side as a support liver. So with that foundation in place, I'm going to kick it over to Kelly, who's going to walk us through operationalizing. Awesome. And my headshot was generated with AI. So hopefully I look like that today. <laughs> uh, let's move on with this. Awesome. So this is a quick overview of our lead management process at NVIDIA and the different vendor tool stack that we have. Uh, What's interesting to note uh, that you saw by the numbers with NVIDIA 2 is that our go-to-market primarily for the past 30 years has been highly channel-driven. So we didn't actually get our first BDR until about five years ago. Um, and we only have about 55 people handling leads globally. Uh, primarily, we've been activating with our partners 
that business model has been changing as we kind of transition into things like cloud, um, go-to-market software from our developer stack and different things of that nature. So with NVIDIA, we were always used to handling large volumes of leads or doing things with kind of a small team that really embraced using a tech stack. So when we looked for AI solutions, it actually was helpful that we had this mindset going into it because people were so used to using um, all these technologies to help with their day-to-day -day workflow. So when we started thinking about AI, because we had so many tools in our tech stack that our sellers were using, we started looking at vendors who were already implementing it. So for the past few years, we've been working with Salesforce, like with their Einstein, for example, um, and Sixth Sense and some other folks that had their products already being integrated. So as we started looking at our AI strategy overall, it was kind of a, I've heard this expression too, uh, the walk or the crawl, walk, run. So our first crawl was looking at what tools do we already have in our stack that are using AI and how can we actually just use things that are already implemented. But when we went to start to look at what that walk looked like, we really honed in on what are the KPIs that we actually want to affect with AI. So at NVIDIA, these are kind of the three categories that we look at in our lead management space. So the first one is really around traditional lead conversion. How fast are we moving people through? How well are they converting? Uh, the second one was around opportunity generation, uh, those leads that we're passing. And then the last one is also rep enablement. So how much time are we saving our reps or how can we really scale out using the minimal reps that we have? So as we started looking at AI, we looked at it as an iterative process. So we decided to hone in on these KPIs, start with this, then work with our data science teams on how do we actually make in incremental impact on these same KPIs. So I stole this slide from our NVIDIA website because I think it's helpful as we see a lot of AI, but um, I'm like, okay, we're getting the top down of how can we implement AI throughout all of our processes. So I really honed in on kind of three different types of AI solutions uh, that we even at NVIDIA look at. So I was looking at generative AI, I was looking at speech to text, um, speech AI, and then also data analytics. So we took that and we applied it to that KPI slide that I showed. And this is how we ended up in our walk approach. There we go. Um, we started with a couple different projects that were all related to those KPIs that we were trying to make an impact on. So a couple of the big ones that I'll, I'll show here um, was to start when we looked at our lead conversions, we actually started making like lead goals. So I've heard a lot throughout the conference today talking about forecasting. Um, we started taking the forecasting that the sales ops team was doing and we said, how can we apply that to lead management? So we actually said, okay, we wanna focus on velocity or conversions or certain things like that. Uh, and we know that that has a revenue hopefully tied at the end of it. So if we work backwards from what our data science team and sales ops was doing and the AI that they were working on to help with their forecasting, basically piggybacking off of that to try to make a lead goal that would be similar. The other thing that we looked at and are still working on is our lead scoring model, which kind of ties into the goal setting. Um, we really wanted to know, hey, of all the leads that we're getting, what's actually their propensity to buy that Ari will talk about later, uh, as well as how do we merge this with our traditional lead scoring that we were doing out of Marketo. So, we knew too that was setting goals. If we said, hey, marketing, you know, you need to 
give us 100,000 more leads or 100 more leads in order to hit your goals. We wanted to make sure that the lead quality was there. So we found that actually that goal setting and the lead scoring kind of worked together um, as we were building out this model. A couple of the other things that we looked at in the opportunity generation space, we worked really closely hand in hand with our sales ops organization. Um, so they are also doing their own deployments looking at different opportunity like next steps or their own sort of propensity for an opportunity to close. So we wanted to make sure that as we were mapping our lead KPIs, uh, we wanted to make sure we were fitting in with what they were doing with opportunities. So for example, if I said, oh, if a lead came from a webinar and that was its source, what's, how does that impact whether or not that opportunity will close or not or different touch points that they have along the way? And then the last thing that we looked at was rep enablement. I'm pretty sure most... BDRs, SDRs, I'm guessing, are using some form of chat GPT maybe to write all their emails. Um, it's the same thing we saw with ours too, uh, as well as doing things like speech to text for enablement. We piloted Gong that uses NVIDIA tech. And then also a new tool that we're looking at and trialing is people.ai to look at how do we actually save rep admin time. So again, every project that we're in this space right now, we really wanted to make sure that we were tying back to the KPIs that we had. So if I wanted to look at lead scoring, uh, I knew how many leads that we were passing over, how does the AI model change that? So we were very numbers and data driven about everything that we were trying to put a project around. So we are very lucky to have within Ari's extended marketing, rev marketing team, our very own in-house data science team. Um, so we work with them on quite a few projects. And this is sort of the process that we take with them. And whether or not you're working with a vendor or you're looking at developing something in-house on your own, uh, it's important to kind of walk through the process. I was talking with someone today and they were saying, you know, uh, we saw these great AI kind of tools that were being demoed at Dreamforce, but I doubt any of our security teams are gonna be able to, to let us do that. Or I heard yesterday people saying, uh, that even if they're working with all these different vendors on their AI solution, it's gonna be BYOM, bring your own model <laughs> to the tool. So it's important to have some sort of philosophy as you're going through this. So for all the projects, we follow this because we need to one, train our data scientists who aren't familiar in our space uh, as well as we are on what that project looks like. We need to look at the data. Is it security compliant? Where is it coming from? Will that actually pass our sniff test? Uh, and is the data even there? So on that people.ai project, our field reps are notorious for not even putting uh, their contacts or activities and logging it in Salesforce. So if we wanted to use that as a data point for AI, we had to get that data in there. So that's really where we work too with our data scientists is if they're saying, hey, we don't have this data. As an ops team, we go in and see, can we actually collect this data? Can we improve it with tool or process and kind of how can we get there? So as we look at the, the future AI projects, and I'm pretty sure our head of data scientist is here, so if he's looking at all these projects and thinking, where are these coming from? I will submit my JIRA tickets later. Um, but <laughs> we're looking at it as this whole, like I said, iterative process where we're starting with a goal. We're able to see all of the marketing touch points and history for that lead. We're able to see all the sales touch points for that lead. And then we can start asking a series of questions along each step. Um, of these different touch points and executions. Ari has a great slide. He'll go over in a minute too over what our deals uh, look like, but really it's building out this whole process that we can measure 
that we can show incremental improvement and really test kind of like a data scientist where it's a very closed end project to improve, improve our lead management KPIs. And with that, I will pass it over to Ari. Sweet. If anybody can't hear in the back, speak up. We were standing there before the session and it's pretty noisy in the doorway over there. So probably a bunch of the people in the room are thinking it's lead, lead, lead. You know, my whole focus is the account and the buying committee and the account. But we have a legacy organization that is very lead focused from an inbound perspective. A lot of those inbound leads are actually future focuses for key revenue drivers versus current key revenue drivers. So a lot of what we do is actually uh, support both sides of that sales organization. The current key revenue generators, which in some cases the phone's ringing off the hook, and future AI cloud applications that are going to require a lot more in-depth data to actually enable people to do outbounding that some of these individuals aren't used to doing. Now, from the data science perspective, as this slide sums up, data science is complex. And it's not enough to all of a sudden get the data science on the, the scientist on the team and then go out and tell people why they should be listening to him or her. Um, this is a fascinating chart. I'm not going to dive into it right now, but it's recognizing the fact that not all KPIs for marketing programs or certain outbound campaigns are directly tied to revenue. That with the right model in place, you can do correlations analysis that shows from a quadrant perspective where something lies between brand equity, audience interaction, demand generation, and conversion. It's very, very important. It shows you know, the billboard on the freeway that we used to not be able to measure. We now, through buckets and buckets of millions of rows of data, can show that correlation and impact that that's having, or lack of impact from that. But taking that, as much as I'm passionate about that, and I look at this slide, and I think this is fascinating. As soon as I go to leadership with this, the, the topic's lost. And you know, they come out of it like an early sales kickoff with Cumulus Networks where I felt really proud about talking about intent data and enabling the sales team with all these charts. And then we're having beers later on and a couple of salespeople come over. It goes, oh, I didn't know we had somebody from MIT on the team. That was fascinating. I have no idea what it was about, but it's fascinating. And, and you failed. One key issue that we run into, especially in this legacy organization where the enterprise motion is really less than eight years old, is that key blocker of trust. The legacy alignment issue between the sales and marketing. It's almost cliched, right? People always say, well, you need alignment. You need alignment. Uh, it's, it's a matter of forcing yourself to become a politician and have the same conversation over and over and over again to the point where some of your team members wonder, what's the point? But you're actually planting seeds and trying to gain advocates. That legacy alignment is really based around the, the fact that sales lead delivery in the past has all been focused on this mythical um, marketing qualified lead, where a marketer has determined who sales should be reaching out to. Now, I'm not going to read through this whole thing, but the right side is actually for people of my age or younger people that watch Stranger Things, a character creation instruction for a Dungeons and Dragons game. It reads exactly the same as how we write scoring for marketing qualified leads. Then we go to the SDR and say, how come you haven't called my 3,000 leads that I pushed over? Or you want more MQLs, we're going to bump the points up. That, that damage between two fundamentally different groups of people is the key blocker when you come in with the complexity of the data science plays, no matter how accurate. And the other is reducing cognitive load. This is an anatomy of a deal slide. 
it basically shows all the touch points between the developer side of the business, the consumer side of the business, and the enterprise side. So I've got precursors in my dev to rev motion. I've got uh, brand preference identifiers. If I've got two accounts and somebody's been buying from the consumer side of the house for years, I know it's an easier door opener at that point. To pull this together, it's a pretty slide. And the first thing somebody says is, hey, can we do this for all our accounts? Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not spending every night looking through a thousand different anatomy of a deal slides for accounts and somehow coming away with some sort of direction on what we should be doing. Um, the data scientist takes this, plugs this into our models, and then we have a propensity to buy action from this. All this is ingested across all our accounts. No matter what data we can pull in, huge amount of first-party data bolstered with vendor-provided third-party data so that we don't have to think about this slide. Um, an executive summed it up to me at one point where I asked, he asked a question, I said, it's on the dashboard that you asked for. He said, oh, I don't really look at the dashboard. Okay, because my dashboard is a laptop on the desk that's green when things are good, yellow when things are kind of bad, but I know somebody's working on it, and I know if it's red, then I have to engage in a meeting. That's, you know, worst case example, but for the most part, nobody's, no executive's figuring out what to do from this kind of slide. Key failure points. So the revenue marketing analytics suite that we've put together, spurred on by this new propensity to buy model with Lots and lots of data running on NVIDIA solutions. We've figured we can dog food our product and come up with something amazing. And we come in and we build something amazing and we come out and say, ta-da, okay, sales, use it. And somehow somebody who owns on average 600 to 1,000 accounts in their patch isn't interested in using data that's showing the three accounts that are surging now on two products. And my team comes back and says, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's right there. All they have to do is call these three accounts. Um, we didn't involve the, the stakeholders early on. So there's no vested interest. You, know, you want those people to feel like they have a vested interest in the solution, that you're not telling them what to do, so that when they bring the solution forward, they feel success. They're garnering advocates with their existing relationships on that side of the house. It's a tough pill to swallow for our data scientists and our team because they want to have be seen with the shining light. But in the end, in this massive organization, if these other teams are speaking propensity to buy, if these other teams are leveraging this data in some way, you've enacted transformational change in a 26,000 plus 30-year-old organization. Um, it's one of the things that keeps driving me. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to see happen. Roadblocks, bad data hygiene. Again, I think it's spoken to, but nobody thinks about that as much. A lot of times the pitfall is to buy a solution and put it on top of your data set and really not what I call dumpster dive the data. Uh, so you're building a leaning tower of PISA on garbage data. No business knowledge. That was the other uh, roadblock. I have a data scientist who's amazing at IAIML, has no background in the business, has no background studying sales and marketing. Um, it's much easier to teach this data scientist about the business and sales marketing than it is to teach the sales and marketers data science. So first starting point. The other is perfection syndrome. Um, I have this a bit OCD when it comes to data. Um, the data scientist will be afraid of releasing any of these models and prediction algorithms. He wants it to be perfect. He or she is worried that if I put something out there that's wrong, I'm gonna get stomped on by the sales organization or look bad. 
in the end, even if it's 60%, that is, that is beyond where we're at right now, which would be nothing. So it's a matter of encouraging and understanding that this, this is good. It's okay to release it, iterate on it. Uh, the pitfalls, we spoke to that no stakeholder input, um, reducing cognitive load, putting up a, a sheet that you feel that, I've never come down up with a better phrase than this, so don't take it personally, anybody, but you feel like you've dumbed it down enough, um, but it's never dumbed down enough. Uh, dumbed down enough really is the green screen on a laptop or one bullet point saying, put your left foot forward instead of your right. And if you want to know why the soup tastes that way, then we can have another meeting and dive into the guts of it. And, and then the other is quantity versus quality. We're a huge organization. The legacy enterprise org is really you know, steeped in very, very large metrics. We got a huge fan base. So we're talking millions of keynote views at our flagship conference, millions of website views. And then when you talk to the campaign manager for Telco, whose page sits on the fifth level dungeon of the website and is freaking out that there were only 2,000 visitors, we're able to leverage this propensity to buy data now to actually tell her, hey, 10 of these are actually super, super in market. They didn't get there by accident. And the average contract value here is in the millions. So shifting that mental state from quant quantity to quality is, is just another one of those constant politicking things within the group. As we get short on time, my problem is I'm very, very passionate about this. I could speak forever. I can't work a clicker to save my life. It's like being at home. I can't get the Apple TV. There we go. All right. Oh, and I went too far. One. Wait for it. I'm burning time. There we go. All right. So it's thought occurred to me the other day with the data scientists. Traditionally, it's always been A-B test, A-B test, A-B test and whatever we're doing. So if you think of the account journey, you've got a whole buying center. They're hitting the website. We have a whole fan base hitting the website with students and developers and the like. I have website CRO going on who's A-B testing. Like turns out that this banner actually converts 30% more than this banner. And they choose the winning variant. That winning variant might have just been the student population that was clicking through on it. And most of these individuals in that space doing the A-B testing aren't actually tying it into pipeline data in any way. You can, so let's say you do that. Next step, I end up in a nurture sequence. So now I've got my MOPS individual A-B testing Marketo email programs. So they're choosing the winning variant. And it goes on and on to the SDS, choosing their outreach sequence and the right one that's winning. In the end, it's probably turning out that the actual true most um, ROI from that account journey varies by buying center member and is actually something like, if you put them all end to end, win-win, loss-loss, win-loss. Um, it's AI data that's gonna churn on that and actually show you that path. There's no way I could do that in Excel. There's no way I could pull up. Well, there's a way, sadly, if, you know, spend my nights. Um, but then the final frontier is the politicking involved to convince people that that model is correct. That, hey, all you, I know you spent your whole career focusing on A-B testing, but you're going to have to trust me and you have to choose some of these losing variants. That for me is the, the final frontier, especially when Within NVIDIA, we talk about leveraging AI for our day-to-day. -day. We're the AI company. If you're not using AI, what are you doing there? But we all rush off and in silo come up with our own shiny AI object. And it might save me some time that day in whatever my role is,
But the true ROI from AI is that engine with everybody involved that's working end to end, that's actually pulling together all these A-B tests and telling and making the decisions of, of what the paths should be. It really changes the roles and the scope of what, a, what people are doing. It's exciting, but getting there is going to require lots and lots of hand-wringing understanding and education. So in a nutshell, AI and data science revenue plays, we talked about focusing on the stakeholder needs. A lot of these seem really basic. Look, I'm not going to teach you data science in this session, but in the end, you can get the data scientist. Shifting the org and the mindset, especially old school salespeople with a certain chemical makeup, is, is almost an insurmountable task. It's the ultimate challenge. It's, it's what you will spend your day doing. The modeling, the AI solutions, they're going to come, but actually enacting change within that organization is going to be constant meetings, hand wringings, and positioning things properly so that people have a vested interest in what's being done. And then constantly looking for the next insight. It's the same with dashboards. Once you're stuck in a canned report, once you're stuck on one AI, ML model, uh, some deep learning solution that you've come up with, if that's all you're looking at, and hey, I go to work every day and I look to see if the laptop's showing me a green light on it, there's something wrong. There's something burning. And you should always be dumpster diving your data, looking for that next slice, no matter how good your, your AI modeling is. And in the end, reducing cognitive load. It can't be underscored enough. Um, I still haven't got there. I'm, I still can't bring myself to put one bullet on its point on a slide and say, this is all you need to know. If I add in the detail, it's overly complex. If I put the one bullet point on the slide, people don't feel satisfied. But as soon as you go to satisfy them, you've lost them. So the data storytelling aspect is a constant thing our entire team works on, from what Kelly does to what I do to the data scientist even. It's a matter of positioning this so it doesn't scare people. You know, For the sales individuals, I've got to the point where I don't mention vendor names, I don't mention the word intent, I don't mention, you know, if I was starting fresh, sure, I'd do that. But my old school sales individuals that are used to whining and dining and working out of their Rolodex, if I come to them and talk about high intent leads from super engaged in-market accounts that are propensity to buy models identified, blah, 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 I've completely lost them. So it's a matter of positioning. So they're not learning something new. They're simply looking at a report they can grasp, knowing who do I just talk to right now and why. Thanks. The Opstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for Opstars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Opstars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.